0: The gospel accounts will relate the same stories but if you take them apart and and look at them individually there are 19 individual cases of people that were that were healed under jesus ministry now we know there's a lot more than that that were ministered to and healed john said if everything jesus said and did was written down the world itself couldn't contain the books so we would have to uh, assume that there were many more cases of healing that took place or that occurred in jesus ministry so then the question becomes why these 19 and the only uh, reasonable answer i can come up with that concerning that is that these 19 individual cases of healing when taken together and looked at, looked at as a whole covers everything that we need to know on the subject of healing well of those 19 individual cases of healing the majority of them identify the individual's faith as being the the catalyst or the the main thing that enabled them to be healed. You may remember in Mark chapter 5, for example, where it talks about the woman with the issue of blood. After Jesus feels power go out of him, she feels power go into her, he stops to see who took the power off of him or from him. And after telling him her story, Jesus said, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Well, as I said, there are the majority of cases of the cases of healing that we have record of in the four Gospels can be directly attributed to the person's faith. Now, the importance and the significance of that, at least one uh, significant thing concerning that, is that there are people in the church world, the modern church world, that say that healing has been done away with. Well, then we're going to have to ask the question, has faith been done away with? Now, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 says, By grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. See, if faith's been done away with, then nobody can be saved. Because everybody is saved through faith. So the argument about whether or not healing's been done away with in, in this modern day is really a specious argument. It's a foolish thing to get involved with. Because faith is still the same. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And if faith is the same, and these people in the Bible were healed on their own faith, then you and I can develop faith and be healed on ours. Amen? And certainly one of the major components of faith is confession. We referred to the woman with issue of blood in Mark chapter 5. It says, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his clothes because she said, she began to say whenever she heard about Jesus. Now, I don't know if she heard that people were being healed by touching Jesus, or maybe she heard about uh, the multitude in Matthew chapter 14, where it says, as many as touched the hem of his garment were made whole. She had to hear something concerning physical contact, because that's what she had faith for. And as we said before, as we quoted Romans 10:17, so then faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So if she had faith to touch him, and to believe that she would be healed when she when she did touch him. Which is what she began to say. Then she had to have faith for that. And therefore she had to have heard that that's the way that it was working. So as we said. Faith is uh, a confession rather is one of the major components of faith. But there are two kinds of confession. And I think a lot of people. Um. Well, if they don't know about the two kinds of confession, they fail to receive because they don't take into account both sides of it. And I'll show you what I'm talking about. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus has cursed the fig tree the day before. The disciples heard it. They walk by the fig tree tree again the next morning, and it's dried up from the roots, and Peter calls it to remembrance. And Jesus answers and says in verse 22, have faith in God. Verse 23, for verily I say unto you, That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Folks, we sometimes summarize that verse with the last phrase, you can have what you say. And following the requirements of that verse, that's absolutely true. We can have what we say. But now I want you to compare another scripture with that. I want you to turn back with me to the Old Testament book of Joshua, chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 tells us about Moses going off of the scene. He's been the leader of the children of Israel for 40 years. They come to the edge of the promised land where this time the children of Israel are going to go in and take possession of it. And Moses is being replaced. God told Moses that he couldn't go into the promised land because he had messed up the type that God was identifying with in the old in the old covenant now the first time they came to a place where there wasn't any water moses was instructed by God to strike the rock that's a type of jesus being smitten and stricken on the cross it's a type of man's judgment or man's punishment upon jesus to become the living water for mankind well time goes by they're wandering in the wilderness they come to another place where there's no water. And Moses is told by God, this time don't strike the rock, but speak to it. This is a type of Jesus under the new covenant, under the church age, during the church age. Because once he was stricken, once he was smitten, once he paid the price for mankind through his crucifixion, his death, burial, and resurrection. Then from that point forward, we were we are supposed to partake of the blessings of God And the things that God has provided for us. The things that Jesus paid for with his precious blood. Not by striking him again. But by speaking words. And so the New Testament type. Or the fulfillment. I should say the Old Testament type. That was to be fulfilled. By Moses speaking to the rock. Moses messed that up. And so God told him he couldn't go into the promised land. so Joshua comes on the scene to take his place. Well, you can well understand that speaking the type that God had in mind about speaking to the rock and water coming forth, that shows the importance of faith. That shows the importance of our words or our confession. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, God is giving Joshua instructions about how to be the leader of the children of Israel successfully or effectively. And he says, verse 8, this book of the law, that's all they had of the Old Testament was the book of five books of Moses. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now I want you to notice two things primarily about this verse of Scripture. First he said to meditate in the Word. Meditation is a, um, is a process that not many in the church world understand most of us aren't taught effectively or properly about what meditation is we get these ideas or a lot of people get the idea that the eastern religions form of meditation is what some people are practicing in the church and so forth and that freaks some people out and as i understand it i'm certainly not an expert on this but what little bit of reading i've done on the subject Meditation under the Eastern religions is primarily an exercise where you quiet your mind, where you empty your mind of any and all thoughts. That seems like an easy thing to me or should be an easy thing for some Christians. But you empty your mind of all thoughts and then you let some outside force speak to you or bring thoughts to your mind. That's not what Bible meditation is. Bible meditation is not emptying your mind it's filling your mind with the word one of the meanings of this word meditate is to mutter that's not the only meaning there are other things that we could define it as but one of the definitions of this uh, hebrew word that's translated meditate is the word mutter or say or to speak to yourself and that's exactly what he's telling joshua now let's read this verse again this book of law meaning all the word of god that had this word of god shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Say it to yourself over and over and over again. And realize that he's saying that it should be so so consistent that the word never departs from our mouth. Now think about what God's telling you. See, anytime you and I say something, those words depart from our mouth. Well, how is it that they're not supposed to depart from our mouth? Well, the answer is very simple, and that is we keep saying it again and again and again. In other words, he's saying don't ever stop speaking the word. No matter what you're doing, place such a priority on the word that it never stops coming out of your mouth. Now notice what the purpose for putting the word in your heart or meditating the word is. This word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night for this purpose. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Folks, the Bible talks about being a doer of the word. Paul said, uh, James, rather, writing to the church, James chapter 1, said, Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye not hearers of the word only. Be doers of the word instead. Be doers, not just hearers. Now, folks, you know as well as I do that doing the word, in many cases, is making a confession for example the woman with the issue of blood how was it that she acted on the word she began to say what she believed about Jesus now she added action or activity to that she came in the press behind but it was based on the things that she had begun to say she heard that Jesus was healing the sick she's had this issue of blood for 12 years tried everything the doctors could do for her and and was no better but rather grew worse on top of that, she'd spend all of her money on doctors. So now she's not only sick, but she's broke and sick. But when she heard of Jesus' healing, she began to say, she took it personally. She applied it to herself. Oh, if believers today would just do that. See, so many times the devil speaks to people's ears or speaks to their minds, speaks into their ears, to their minds, and plants, plants thoughts of why they can't have what the Bible says Jesus paid for and instead of standing up and applying it to themselves and fighting for the right to take hold of any and all the blessings of God that were purchased by the blood of Jesus they make excuses for why they can't have it that's not what the woman with the issue of blood did she applied it personally she took it personally and so it's because she believed in her heart that Jesus had the power to heal sickness based on whatever it was she heard, she began to say, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Now, when did she become a doer of the word? Was she doing the word when she began to say, that if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be healed? Or was that part just not significant and not important, but the part that really mattered was when she came in the press behind and touched his clothes? Folks, I believe she was a doer of the word when she was speaking it. Don't you? Okay, back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 then. This book of the law, or this word of God, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, keep speaking it, continually speaking the word, the truth of the word, to yourself, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. There's a lot of things that we can add to and and are important to add to The things that we believe. For example, tithing is a real important issue, but it's not good enough just to say you're going to tithe. We have to follow through on it. So we have to take action. But I would submit to you that tithing without believing anything and without making the right confessions will produce very little results for us. So both parts are important. Being a doer of the word is being a doer in word and action. But here where God's telling Joshua, Meditate in the word day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. In many cases, particularly in the area of healing, the action of being a doer of the word, the definition of being a doer of the word is to confess it. So he's saying speak the word to yourself so that you can confess the word. Are you with me? He's saying speak the word to yourself Put it into your heart, meditate in it day and night, make it a priority to keep the word on your lips always so that you can then do or speak the word of God. Here's the point I'm trying to get to, folks. Jesus told us in several places, not the least of which is in Mark chapter 4, where it talks about, he tells the parable of the sower sowing the word. You remember the four different types of Ground. He said some fell by the wayside, the seed is the word, some fell by the wayside, never really got into the earth and so it didn't produce anything. Now does that mean something was wrong with the seed? That means whoever was in charge of hearing it didn't give it the attention it deserved to get it into the ground. And the ground is certainly our own spirits, our own hearts. Second type of the ground was stony ground. It made it into the dirt but it wasn't continually watered. It had no. King James says it had no root in itself. The root word of the word "root" is moisture. Nobody watered it. Paul wrote to the Corinthians and said, "I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase." Paul planted because it was the first time they heard the word when he preached to them. But the watering was the, Apollos teaching the same things that Paul did, and bringing to their remembrance what Paul had first told them. So, we know what watering the word is. Watering the word is speaking the word, meditating in it, not letting it depart from your lips. So, the stony ground wasn't watered. Whoever falls into that category didn't continue to say the word of God and take it for themselves personally. So, it didn't produce anything for them. The third type of ground was the thorny ground, it was sown among thorns, it took root but it was choked out by other things. So they gave up on watering the word too and allowed the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things choke the word out so that it didn't produce fruit. But the fourth type of ground is the one who takes the word of God, allows it to be planted in their hearts, continues to water it by speaking over and over and over again, saying it again and again and again, and then it brings forth fruit. What I've seen in, uh, to a great degree in the 30-some years that we've been pastoring the church here, and even before, before that when I was working with Brother Hagan, a lot of people want to jump to Mark 11:23 when they haven't been through Joshua chapter one, verse eight. What I mean by that is their idea of confession is that if the Bible's true and the sky's the limit, which Mark 11:23 pretty much tells you it is. What things soever you desire, he goes on in verse 24 to say. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, he'll have whatever he says. Following the requirements, meeting the requirements, he'll have whatsoever he saith." A lot of people just want to jump out and start making their confessions without ever planting the word in their heart. The two types of confession that Joshua 1.8 identifies with is the word that's spoken so that the truth of God's word gets planted in your heart and then the other confession is the one that puts it into practice or puts it into action, which is exactly what Jesus did in Mark 11:23, when he cursed the fig tree, or that he describes in Mark 11:23 when he cursed the fig tree and it dried up from the roots. The two types of confession, very simply, the first type is speaking the word to plant it into your heart. The second type of confession is to speak the word that's in your heart into the world to receive from God. There was a fellow that uh, Brother Hagen told a story about when he was uh, traveling pretty early on in his ministry. He was out here in Southern California in West Covina at a four-square gospel church that was pastored by Dr. Guy P. Duffield. We had a chance to meet Dr. Duffield and spend some time with him uh, for a couple of years before he we went home to be with Jesus. And he was just a wonderful, wonderful guy. I asked him about this story, and he remembered the details of it. He remembered who the guy was and confirmed everything Brother Hagan said about it. So, let me tell you the story. He was having a meeting. Brother Hagan was having a meeting. I think it ran three weeks in Dr. Duffield's church. At the time, Brother Hagan and, and uh, his family were traveling in a um, travel trailer, I guess is the way you'd refer to it. It's one of those things that you hooked up to the trailer hitch you on your car or truck or whatever. And they drugged this trailer around with them when they were out here, at least uh, for several years, during the time they were out here in California, too. And at that particular time, they didn't do it for but one year. But during that year, they were homeschooling their kids. Now, there was no such thing as homeschool back then. But they were allowing their kids to take school through correspondence. And it was through, I believe, the University of Oklahoma. It was very strict regimented course it wasn't just something that they'd let people say they were doing and get by with but you had to really put in a lot of time and effort and keep records and so forth and so brother hagan had a morning class in the church it would be over sometime between eleven forty-five and noon or would stay back and fix lunch have lunch ready for him as soon as he got into into the door and they parked it right next door to the uh uh, to the church itself on the church property. And so he had to get over there as quickly as he could, eat lunch, and then start on the schoolwork for the next several hours in the afternoon, start on the schoolwork for the kids so that they could keep up and and fill out the pro- appropriate forms and keep the right records and so forth. So he said, and then come back in the evening for a, a night service. So Brother Hagen said, and this is the reason they only did it one year, he said, I met myself coming and going. He was just, it just wore him out. But as such, because of the, the schedule they were on, he didn't have much extra time to fellowship with people and do that kind of stuff that he might have normally done. And so Dr. Duffield asked him one morning after the service, he said, there's a little fellow that he comes to our church every now and then, and he's, he's real belligerent, he's real argumentative, he's not saved, and he wants to talk to you. I told him I would ask you and let him know. Well, Brother Hagan didn't want to be rude. And Dr. Duffield was asking him to talk to this little fella. And so he agreed to it, knowing that he didn't have really time to, to do it. And he said, tell him to meet me at the side door of the church, and I, we can talk as I walk over to, to the travel trailer. So that's what happened. And this fella started off nice, but all of a sudden he said, now I want you to prove, he's telling Brother Hagan I want you to prove to me there's a God because if there's a God and I don't believe in him, I won't make heaven and it'll be your fault. But if there is a God, if you can convince me there is a God, I want to get saved. Well, he, the brother Hagan said, the more he talked, the louder he got, the redder he got in the face. He's somewhere between 78 and 80 years old. He appeared to be at least. During that time, Brother Hagen said, "I thought he was going to have a coronary the right there on the spot." So I had to shush him, to quiet him down. He said, "Now I know Doctor Duffield told you about my schedule. How that they're waiting on me to have lunch right now, and then immediately after lunch we've got to start the school program. So I don't have a lot of time to talk." And he said, "And and this guy just interrupted, started spitting and sputtering again. Well, you've got to prove to me whether or not there's a God and so forth." And so Brother Hagen stopped him finally, and he says. The Bible tells me, and Jesus told me to go and preach the gospel, and not try to prove there's a God. And then he said this, he had to say it fast, and he had to say it loud to keep the guy from interrupting and talking over him again. But he said, and besides that, the Bible says that without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You don't believe he is, so you can't be saved. Goodbye. And Brother Hagen said he walked off and left this guy. He said, this little bitty guy, 78, 80 years old, whatever age he was, this little guy looked at Brother Hagin walking away and stuck his tongue out at him. (laughs) Well, Brother Hagin said, you know, that that he kind of had some mixed feelings about it. Nobody likes to be confronted like that and have people make demands on him and so forth. But then he said, I got to thinking about him later on that afternoon. He said, my heart just broke for him, this old guy, with compassion he said and so I just told the Lord Lord I didn't have a chance to plant much seed into him tell him much of anything but I did tell him Hebrews 11 6 I did tell him that so Father I ask you this is the way Brother Hagin prayed about it he said I ask you let that scripture come alive in his heart when he lays down to go to bed let that scripture be standing at the foot of the bed when he wakes up let that scripture be standing at the foot of his bed hold him to that scripture lord because it's the only seed of your word that i had a chance to plant well they go on with the services they continued the week's worth of meeting or the three weeks of meetings i believe it was and so several days later dr duffield came to brother hagan and said brother hagan that little guy's back he said now i wouldn't ask you to see him if things were the same as they were the other day he said but this time this guy's got a different attitude he said i believe maybe you could help him so same thing brother Haken met him at the side door on the way over to eat lunch and so brother Haken walks up to the guy shakes his hand and says now nah, i don't want to argue with you about anything you know where we stand he quoted 11, hebrews 11 6 again at least the part about he that cometh to god must believe that he is you don't believe that he is and and he just had barely gotten that out of his mouth, and this little fellow answered, and he says, yeah, and then quoted the whole scripture to it. He said, and I know where it's found to. That's Hebrews 11:6." He said, after I talked to you the other day, I got so mad and got so angry, but then I started crying out to God, saying, God, I don't know if you exist or not. I don't know if you exist, and I and if you do exist, I'm not going to make heaven and I'm just in a terrible state. And then he told Brother Hagen, he said, So I went to bed that night, and I couldn't get that scripture off my mind. He said, it Seems like when I woke up during the middle of the night, it was standing at the foot of my bed. When I woke up, it was right there staring me in the face. He said, I couldn't get away from it. He said, Brother Hagen, I don't want to argue with you. He said, I'm sorry for the tantrum I threw the other day, the fit that I threw. He said, But after seeing that scripture and thinking about it over the last couple of days, I do believe that he is. So would you pray for me so that I can be saved? Well, Brother Hagin said within less than a minute, he's born again in the family of God. Before that meeting was out, he came back and got filled with the Holy Ghost. And it turned him into a different person. Now, when did the guy become a doer of the word? He couldn't have received anything from God, couldn't have been saved if he wasn't a doer of the word so when did he become a doer of the word was it when he started taking and paying attention taking notice and paying attention to hebrews eleven six, 6 or was it just when he prayed with brother Hagin to enter into the family of god folks speaking the word of god is doing it too it may not be the only action the only activity that we need to take depending on the situation of what we're believing for but speaking the word of god is doing it now how was he speaking the word of god To what end was he speaking the word of God? He wasn't speaking the word of God unto salvation. He didn't know how to pray. If he had known how to pray, he could have been saved before he ever even came back to see Brother Hagin the second time. But he didn't know how. So what was he doing? He was speaking the word of God. He was meditating, whether he knew it or not, and I'm sure he didn't. But he was meditating in the word of God for the purpose or to the end of planting the word of God in his own heart. Folks if you don't have the word of God in your heart. You can't speak it from your heart. Like Mark eleven twenty three 23 speaks of. You just can't do it. It takes speaking the word of God into your heart. So that it's there and takes root. So that you can speak the word from your heart. Let's look at Mark chapter 4. We referred to it a little bit. But let's look at Mark chapter 4. And see some things Jesus said about this. Remember that Jesus said, well, let's just back up. I'll start in the early part of the chapter. I won't read the whole thing for the sake of time. Let's start in verse 10. It says, and when he was alone, they that were about him with the twelve asked him of the parable. This is the parable of the so-or-so so in the word that we referred to. And he said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables, that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, and not understand lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Now I want you to notice in verse 11, he said that this is the key, understanding this uh, this parable is the key to understanding everything about the kingdom of God. In other words, Jesus is saying that this parable contains a principle that governs everything about God. It governs everything that belongs to us because of what Jesus paid the price for. It belongs, uh, it uh, is the foundation and the operative principle to receive anything and everything God has done for us. It's the operative principle for us to operate in and stand on to receive anything that we want from God. He said, unto you it's given to know the secret of the, uh, the mystery, rather, of the kingdom of God. Notice verse 13. And he said unto them, know ye not this parable? and how then will you know all parables so jesus is saying not only this parable of the sower sowing the word is this key the secret to the, how the whole of the kingdom of god works he's saying if you don't understand how to make this principle work or how to utilize this principle from this parable of the sower sowing the word you're not going to be able to understand any other parable folks this parable that jesus is talking about the reality of taking care of the word of god Planning it in your heart and speaking it, which we've already identified is what Bible meditation really is. Not letting the word depart from your mouth, but continue to say it again and again and again. He said, Jesus said, that principle governs everything about the kingdom of God, and that principle will enable you to understand any and all parables. Let's keep reading. We'll skip down i really want to skip over the parable itself skip down with me to verse 26 and he said so is the kingdom of god now folks you'd have to understand that everything about the kingdom of god would certainly include what jesus paid the price for wouldn't you agree if jesus did not pay the price for bringing us into salvation this all-encompassing word of salvation that means to rescue to li- to deliver to save and to heal He's saying everything about the kingdom of God, everything about what God wants for you, everything about what Jesus has paid the price for you and me to have, everything comes down to the principle of this parable. So he says, so is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now what's the ground? Folks, the ground is not the earth. The ground is your spirit. The ground is your spirit. And so when Jesus talks about t- keeping the Word, when He talks about the, the good ground that brings forth 30, 60, and some 100-fold returns, when He's talking about that, He's talking about the attention and the care that we give to our own spirits regarding the Word of God. He's talking about the practice of meditating the Word, muttering the Word, saying the Word to yourself over and over again, just like Joshua 1.8 says. And we could well understand that because God told Joshua that if, he do, if we do that, if we speak the word continually and plant that word into our hearts we become doers of the word therein. We become those that speak the word along with doing the word if it's necessary depending on the situation we're in. And he said then we make our way prosperous and then we have good success. The Bible doesn't even say God makes you prosperous. It doesn't even say God brings you good success. It says we do that to ourselves and for ourselves, just by speaking the word. So here he says, this is the way that the whole of the kingdom of God works. Well, it means it must work that way concerning healing then. It must work that way concerning prosperity then. It must work that way concerning anything and everything that we're trying to achieve or attain that Jesus purchased for us. So he said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should plant seed into the ground. The kingdom of God is about putting the word of God in your hearts. You remember David said in Psalm 119, he said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. What's going to keep him from sin? The word planted in his heart. How do you plant the word in your heart? Joshua 1.8. You speak what God's word says. You speak to yourself about what God's word says. One of the things that this little fellow said to Brother Hagin The second time that he came to him before they began to pray, before he accepted Jesus into his heart, one of the things he said was that he was thinking about that scripture. He couldn't get away from that scripture. And he said, all of a sudden, it was like a light came on on the the inside of it. And he said, I realize that I do believe God is. I've been talking to him all this time. I do believe that he is. And that was the beginning point for him to then become a doer of the word by praying in line with what he believed, in line with what the word of God says, and that's what led him into salvation. And folks, it works that way in every respect. The more we speak God's word, I'm not talking about the more we make confessions out into the earth to make things change, the more we speak God's word into our heart based on the knowledge that we gain of what Jesus did and what he purchased for us. The more we speak God's word in our heart, the more it takes root on the inside of us. And that root of God's word will always bring revelation. It'll always show you what to do next. So here Jesus said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed in the ground or speak into his heart, and should sleep and rise, night and day, and his seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. He knoweth not how. In other words, it says you don't have to know all the ins and outs. You don't even have to know how it works. You just have to know that it works. The more we speak God's word into our heart, the more it takes root on the inside of us, and the more we are equipped then to speak the word into our circumstances or into our situations and watch them change. He says you don't even have to know how it works. But if you're going to operate on it, If you're going to receive what Jesus has purchased for us. If you're going to participate in the blessings of the kingdom of God. You've got to know that this is how it works. Uh, You have to know that this is what makes it work. You may not know the ins and outs. But one thing I found is the more I meditate in God's word. The fewer questions there are for me to answer. The less opportunity the devil has to question. What about this? What about that? There's a lot of times I've said, you know, Mr. Devil, I don't know. But here's what I do know, and then quote the Word. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 says, We which have believed do enter into rest. You know what causes you to enter into the rest of God? Knowing the Word of God is planted on the inside of you. Knowing you're equipped to make the second kind of confession. The first kind of confession puts the word of God in your heart and changes you. The second kind of confession changes your circumstances. Changes your situations. It brings healing and health to your bodies. It brings provision to your life. And the second type of confession hardly ever works without the first type being made and held on to. There are times when God in his mercy will respond to somebody's confession the first time that they make it but boy that's rare that's not very common at all so when the bible says when paul wrote to the church in the book of hebrews wrote to the hebrew christians when paul wrote in hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful at promised." what kind of profession is he talking about he's talking about the word of god spoken into the earth to change circumstances and to change things because of the word that's been planted in our hearts first I've seen a lot of times in a lot of situations where people are still in the first type of confession stage they're still putting the word of God into their own hearts and because they didn't start soon enough they didn't give the word time to take root in their hearts they fail to receive whether it's healing or whatever else and I've always seen people in those situations question God I've had people ask me looking for answers and they'll say things like I was confessing the word why didn't it work well folks the first type of confession is the part that you do on your own it's the part where you put the time in on your own and of yourself just between you and God to allow that word to take root and unless the word of God is taking root unless it takes root in our hearts first then we're going to be speaking words that are powerless. See, it's the word of God that's planted in your heart and takes deep roots in your heart, develops a deep root system in your heart. Those are the words that when spoken from your mouth into your situation or to your mountain carry power. And that power is sufficient to move the earth. It's sufficient to change your situation. It's sufficient to change your circumstances. And that's when we can know to simply hold fast the profession of our faith because it's working. Well, I can't see it working. Well, it didn't say that we'll see it working. It says we will see its work if we hold fast the profession of our faith. But we don't have to know anything. We don't have to see any evidence. Know anything from a physical standpoint is what I mean. We don't have to see any evidence. We can just accept God's word is true because it's his word. And that kind of faith is never denied that kind of faith is never denied how long should we believe till the answer comes till you have what you say yeah but it's been a long time how do I know it's working well one thing that'll kill it for sure is if you dig it up from the root to see how it's growing brother Hagen used to talk about schooling people in faith he could tell that they weren't ready they didn't have the kind of faith that was necessary to receive their healing when they first came. And so he would tell them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start saying, the next time Brother Hagan lays hands on me, I'll be healed. I want you to start saying, the next time Brother Hagan lays his hands on me, I shall be healed. He was schooling them in faith. And sometimes when he would tell people these things, they'd come back at him and say, will that really work? And Brother Hagin says, if you'll say it, it will. Because what they don't realize is they're schooling their faith, they're building their faith, they're feeding their faith on the Word of God and the results that God wants to take place in their lives and in their bodies. And then when they'd come, the next time they'd come, Brother Hagan said it was the easiest thing in the world. He said, now, you'd have some situations where people weren't serious about it, and so they just give a half-hearted effort, and it didn't produce He said, but you could always tell when there was somebody that was sincere and honest about it because they had begun speaking the word of God and it brought healing power into their bodies. Folks, it's no shame to be in the first kind of confession. In fact, I believe that throughout our life, there's going to be some area that we're always in the first stage of confession in. But the more and more we let it take root in our hearts, the more we water it, the more we speak it, We come to the place where our words carry power. We come to the place where doubting in our heart, which can be defined as believing what we see or what we feel, the idea of doubting in our heart becomes so foreign to us, it's not even an issue anymore. God's word is true. It's true in every situation, it's true for everybody. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is life and power unto us who find it and its health to all our flesh. So we confess, Father, that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, and with his stripes, we were healed. Because we were healed, Father, I am healed. Because I am healed by faith. I shall have what I say. Thank you, Lord, for your healing mercy and your healing power that works in each and every one of our bodies.